and welcome to episode 84 of Man vs. Business. My name is Les Janes, and I am here with my co-host, Sean McMiniman. In this week's podcast, Sean and I are continuing our discussion of the balanced scorecard with a focus on knowledge and growth and internal processes. So with that, let's start the show. Sean, how's it going? Good, Les. How are you? I am doing great. It's getting chilly here. We're, yeah, we're, we are getting towards that winter time here in the Northern Hemisphere, aren't we? No doubt. No doubt. So I, um, I was in Southern California yesterday, and it was beautiful. What, <laughs> so, were the, what was the temperatures? It was 69 degrees and blue skies. Wow. It was, it was just perfect. Was yeah, it, rain, it rained all day here. <laughs> so... Um, so here about, uh, I guess two episodes ago, we talked about the balanced scorecard. We kind of gave an overview of the process and, uh, talked about the, the four key elements of the balanced scorecard, um, which are quiz time, Sean, what are they? Okay. They are, uh, personal development. You can see I'm going to flip through my, my, uh, notes now. Yeah, I can hear which, you. Which, your nose. Which is considered, yeah, learning and growth. Okay, right. process. Right, internal process. Internal process, and then customer, and then finance. Yep. So, and you can you can look at that, you know, one of two directions. Of course, and we're going to get get into that here in a second. But um, um, you you've basically got the balance scorecard as a tool for building a strategy. And your point is, with the balance scorecard is to build something that, hence the word, is well balanced throughout the key areas of your organization. You're not focused fully on finance, which a lot of companies in the past have been. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'd say, I'd say, you know, and everybody, even in here, you do focus a little on, on finance, but it's not without understanding and realizing that the other three legs of the four-legged stool need to be tended to. Yes. And I and I think that a lot of companies have attended to those areas, but they haven't really addressed uh, the connectivity between them all. I, so, I will agree. Cause and effect. Yeah. So with that, we thought probably the best thing to do is to kind of expand on the balance scorecard topic today and address two of the legs. And a minute ago, I mentioned, you know, uh, flowing in a certain direction. So of course, everybody always thinks of the financial piece as being the top most important piece. And at the end of the day, they're right. I mean, we are a, most of us work in a for-profit environment. We need to make money and, you know, uh, that's a very important part of the, the role. But again, like Sean said, you've got to focus on, uh, at least three other pieces, uh, to the, to the, to the process. And we're going to talk today about the about two of them, which are the um, uh, learning and growth, learning and growth, and internal processes. And so, if you want to think of this as a as a flowing process from bottom up, learning and growth would be the foundation in which you should build for any organization. Uh, you need to have people that. Uh, understand the pro, you know, understand your product, understand your processes and the learning and growth aspect is the, f- the foundation. So starting there. So talking about that part of the business, what really falls in 
to the category of learning and growth? Because that's a very broad, very large stroke right there. Right. Well, I mean, the easy one to get to is, is training, training your employees so that they have the knowledge necessary to, to do the job. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I, I kind of don't want to be a hypocrite about this, but it, it is, that is the, to me, it's the toughest part of this. Agreed. Uh huh. And it's the one to me. Yeah. And, and to me, it's the one area where, and again, I'm generalizing, but it's the one area where a lot of companies will maybe put superficial effort into it. Uh, now I have, you know, seen or been in organizations that put a lot of effort towards, um, uh, training people. So the onboarding process. Uh, I think of that as part of the learning and growth aspect. So mm-hmm. when you're hired into an organization, a lot of times a company will have an onboarding process. The more robust that onboarding process is, the better your uh, your new associate, your new employee is going to understand the culture, the processes, the activities, the product that make up your environment. So the more you can invest in building a solid training, growth, and onboarding process with good career paths to next level uh, activities, the better off your organization is. So let's talk about what that might look like. You know, I've seen it done in a lot of different ways. You know, I mentioned one of them there, uh, the onboarding activity, but I've also seen companies that have done internal universities. Um, I've seen companies that, uh, have their employees, um, work a certain amount of their time specifically focused on learning something that supports the company. You know, what about you? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. So working in specific areas for a period of time to understand Mm -hmm. what each area does and then then shift like first, the first year of somebody being at an organization to be with the engineers, be with the manufacturing team, be with the purchasing team, you know, so that, you know, if they're going to be a project manager or something, then you need them to go through those, those other steps that support the job of project management. Right. So the, the, and I think maybe where the difficult part comes is, okay, you just hired somebody, you're paying them their salary and you're not getting anything out of them yet. I was but, just going to say that that's where it falls apart a lot of times. Yeah. And that's where I think that one of the foundations of our, of our or pillars of our presentation here each week is planning and investment. So yeah. you really have to, you really have to bring your brain back into what is the long-term goal of hiring an extra person. If you hire yeah. that extra person, it's for the long-term goal of growing, growing the organization and having, and having a stronger team. So with that said, if that's the, if that's the, the reason you're, you're hiring this person or you're, you've got a good training program for whoever comes in or, or a new training program for all your employees, it's an investment. When should you do that investment? Not when you need it, before you need it. Yeah. <laughs> so back to the back to the planning. So if, if you need a guy or person to run a project, hiring them the day you get the purchase order for the project is not the way to go. Right. I'm on high horse now. Well, because then you're it, it's reactive, right? Yeah. yeah you it's know, reactive. Instead of and you're really going to do proactive. more damage. You're going to you're going to do more damage because that person then is going to have to figure out 
where to find the resources, who to go to, um, what are the processes, jumping up into that second layer of balanced scorecard, you know, what, what are the processes? And then if your processes, if I can jump up there real quickly, if the processes aren't really good, explained, and understood by the other people that are incumbents in the organization, then you're really hamstringing this person that you just brought on. So I think of this as levels of robustness. You know, how robust do you want to make your, um, starting with the onboarding process, how robust do you want to make that onboarding activity into the environment so that it's extremely clear as to, one, what somebody should know when they come into your environment based on their job titles, uh, based on their involvement in the organization, uh, based on how much you want them to know about your product that you sell. There's a big area of knowledge mm-hmm. and growth. Mm-hmm. You know, you want, you know, you want, uh, an engineer to understand the product. But what about a project manager? Wouldn't it make sense for them to have a good understanding of, of the product? You mm-hmm. definitely want your salespeople to understand the product. But what about a purchaser? It would be nice if they understood what they were buying. Yeah. Why know? they were buying a component. What it, what it would be. Yeah. And, yeah. and because with that knowledge, they can make decisions, right? They can, so it, they can actually, actually look for, you know, issues and replace a part or look for a better part, look for better pricing. But that all comes with that knowledge. You well, know, and one of the process things, that you lay on top of them too. So that the process well, should help right. figure that out. Well, and one of the things that I think, um, you know, I've heard throughout my career is, well, you just need to be here for, you know, 10 years and, and you'll get that knowledge. It's the osmosis training. Yeah, that is the worst way for a company to to grow is if you have to wait on your employees for 10 years before they're going to understand, you know, what what they're doing and what product they're working. Now, I would I would say that's not on the process side. Process should be picked up relatively quickly. But from a product knowledge side, you can't wait for people to, you know, hit all the um, knowledge gaps or activities in a product. And then they've picked it up, like you said, just by osmosis. Oh, you've made a mistake. Now, you know, you ordered the wrong valve. Now, you know, Um, (laughs) know, it's it's, it's leaving, it's leaving somebody to figure things out on their own. And, and I, and I've seen it and I know where I'm at now. We're not, we're not perfect at this, but we, we talk about it. We aren't either. We talk to improve it. Um, hey, you should have asked me. Well, uh, you know, the person might not know to ask or who to ask. You don't know what you don't know unless you've been given right. some kind of foundation. So, so it, what I was going to say to you when you when you asked, I think earlier, what do you do about this? I yes. think I think you you look at the one way to do it is to look at the employees that you have in certain disciplines as because you have a best person in each of these disciplines. All right, what does that person know? If it did take them 10 or 15 years to get there, okay, break it, break it back down. What does that person know to do his or her job really well? So you, you know, this as the leader and the manager of that person, or where you get it from the manager of the person, when that person has a, an evaluation and they've got straight A's or excellence or whatever. Okay. Well, what does, what does that person do to get an excellent in their evaluation? Okay. Then break it down. Okay. He knows the product. Okay. Well, what's the best way for us to teach? all of our employees, the product. 
So break it down to the next level. I like to look at the end goal and then back up what has to be done. And then that would tell you then in the onboarding process, how much do you actually give them on the onboarding process and how much do you just set them up for success through the onboarding process? That's the way I look at it from back to front in this case. Well, and, you know, one of the things that I have a tendency to do is, is document all of that, all of that needed product knowledge in this case. Um, but it can be daunting depending on your, you know, your, your line sheet, you know, what all you can potentially sell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think that can be a daunting, um, task to understand not only the line sheet, but the details that make up any given, uh, product or product family. You well, know, it's, it, we go back to, you know, in any of these processes that we talk about, you have to have the adult in the room to say, well, how much is critical? What's, what right. is the, what's the 10,000 foot level or the 20,000 foot level? You don't have to get down to the ground level of, of product design. So, or do you? Well, I mean, that, that, well that, that, I was just going to say, I was getting ready to argue with you there because, you know, the old saying, right? The devil's in the details. What gets us in trouble all the time? It's some little gap in knowledge, um, such as, you know, here we've got, you know, in our case, we've got a, a, a power unit. And this power unit's made up of a tank and a, a pump and some hoses and some valves. And, and it's all assembled together to do this certain task. Now, you get into the details of the valves, somebody will turn around and go, well, why wasn't this valve set to this uh, pressure relief or you know, something like that. Well, I don't know. You know, we obviously, we had a gap somewhere in knowledge, whether it be in engineering or whether it be in production activity. Um, you know, so how do we take that little piece of knowledge and make sure that it doesn't get forgotten the next time so that we all don't scramble trying to figure out what the, the relief setting was on a, on a certain valve before we ship it out the door. All right. It's those details that, yeah. that get you in trouble. I agree with you. Okay, but here's my question to you then. Whose okay. job is it, whose job was it to set that parameter? I think it, I think it's the engineer's uh, okay, responsibility so like, so, to, so you, you, to set it, and then it's the production guy's responsibility to do it. So okay, he well defined then, it in the drawings, and the production guy was supposed to have done it. So now you know, you know, you now you know where you have to go. If it, if, if the engineer did it right, then okay, fine, that person did their job. I, I guess when when you and I were talking, you were going to argue with me about you know the devils in the details, right? You have you have to you have to give people their boundaries to work within, and not give them their boundaries plus check on everybody else's boundaries. Oh, totally agree. Right. So you that's have, where the you know, that's where the thought. Yeah. Yeah, that's where the thought process of in this particular case, how can we pokey yoke it? Well, if we had a standard drawing that had this this uh question with a blank on there, when the engineer did that design again, you know, a one-off design, he would look at the template and go, "Oh, here's the the relief. We need to make sure that that is is in you know, you know, calculated." put on the drawing, and then so when the guy goes and sets it, he should be reading the drawing, check the drawing, that he did it, and there you go. You've now uh, done a decent job of hokey in that process. Right. So that's you know, the so, of, of, yeah, the, the learning and growth. So, so everybody's learning. So I guess mm-hmm. when we talk about this, it's, it's not just 
the the foundational employees learning and growth. It's the company's learning and growth. The, the company has to has to as a whole vertically learn and grow with what is being done as the outcomes of the individual individual workers and the process. Since since we we're going to combine both process and and growth in this one discussion here. I, I like I like the idea that we can jump up and down back into process because because you talked about learning, so the person's supposed to think, but then there is a process check with the engineer and the production person that that pokey oaks it so that it doesn't get messed. Well, and so that's that's what I'm saying. Now you've got a scenario. This is this is a kind of a good example to work through because you really would like it to where leadership is not necessarily asking the question when the learning happens. It shouldn't be up to somebody like myself to walk in and go, oh, you found a problem? What are you doing to make sure that it doesn't happen again? The smart people in the room should be able to say, oh, we found a problem. Hey, what's the best way to make it to where this problem doesn't happen again? Oh, well, if on our standard drawing, we had this note there with a blank line that said, you know, address this next time we did this, we've now fixed it on that side. And we have a process in place that says on the production floor, they put a check mark next to each note that they've read and that they've done it. And so that when it gets inspected at the end, you can see that the checks are made, so it should be set. Now, again, if it gets out the door and it wasn't done and all that happened, then you've got to really start to point your finger away from the process and start pointing at people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You don't start with people. No. Um, but, but, um, there is sometimes where you have to, you know, if you've got something good in place and you're going through and you've got something in play that should be solving the problem, but at the end of the day, it's still getting out the door. You've got to, you know, reach a little deeper and start talking to the people and asking why. Sometimes you find out, well, that doesn't make sense or that I didn't understand what you meant or, you know, I didn't get trained on that. I just started yesterday, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Hopefully that one's not the case. But <laughs> and this is a vicious circle about, you know, what, what have you set up for either new employees or existing employees for continuous? Right. So yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, knowledge and growth is definitely one of those areas that you can invest a lot of energy and resources in. So, you know, utilizing the the Boy Scouts motto of many hands make light work, you really need to get a lot of people involved in developing a robust knowledge and growth based, uh, you know, program. Um, you want to have some governance to it. You know, you've got to have some rules and some guidelines and things like that. But you really need to get everybody involved in knowledge and growth. Uh, because no one person knows it all. So, you know, where do you store learning? Where do you, um, you know, capture um, your rules and your uh, business processes and all that kind of stuff? So that now that branches up again into that next flow of internal business processes. You know, so we said we were going to talk about talk about both um, uh, two legs of the you know, the balanced scorecard process. The second one is, you know, internal processes. So Sean has mentioned, you know, some things about internal processes, but really what we're talking about internal processes are what is your structure for managing your business processes within your environment? You know, do you have a quality system in place? Yeah. 
How do you get work done? Yeah, and do you have a quality system in place? Do you have proper documentation? Does the does the uh, documentation represent current state, or did you write it twenty years ago and you haven't touched it since? Not good. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, and I and I know past places that have done that. You know, they wrote a you know they wrote a manual, you know, ten or twenty years ago, and you know they just they just show it to customers, even though it doesn't necessarily represent you know current state. Um, you know, so you want good internal processes because again, that supports, that's your connection downward to your learning and growth, but it's also then your connection upward to satisfying the customer. You know, so I think we're trying to help people see how these are interconnected. So, you know, how do you document internal processes? There's a lot of ways of doing it. I'm, I'm a huge fan of a picture's worth a thousand words, right? Um, you know, so, you know, process flow charts are universal and a lot of people can understand them and, and are willing to read them. If you have a lot more documentation and text, you run the risk of people getting tired head and not ever reading them. So, you know, a balance between the two, you know, uh, is somewhere in the right answer. You know, I know in our environment, we've got both, we've got both uh, process diagrams and we've got, uh, uh, writing, but I try my best to do less writing and more diagrams if possible. Right. Because um, the other thing too, is that you're not going to, and you, you don't want to have a recipe for people to do their job. So the process, yes, that's correct. More overview and, and not that, not, not on a leeway might not be the right word, but personal knowledge of getting from one step to the next should should be valued in each employee. Now, now sure. the steps should be the steps should be done as long as they are important and on that process map important enough for for people to say, "Yep, this is what has to be done." Checks have to be written, you know, to pay the bills. Okay, so right. you know, how, how do you get there? When do you get there? Uh, is it at midnight you get there, or is it at six o'clock in the morning? You know, so th- these you know these things shouldn't be scripted to such a detail that the person is just kind of a robot going down the path. Right. Well, and I think that a key part of having a good internal process program is a solid change management um, activity. Yeah. yeah, You've got to have a good change management program so that people have a clear understanding and an easy way to change the process and make the process constantly better. Because if you if you go into any sort of um, certification process, continuous improvement is one of the key elements to any of those uh, any of those certification programs. Uh, how do you constantly get better? How do you identify opportunities? How do you handle risk? How do you make those changes to where everybody understands what they're supposed to be doing and how they're supposed to be doing it? Um, you know, I will, I will agree with you that you don't want to go so deep that you're defining how somebody is supposed to, uh, take a pencil and put the date at the top right corner. Okay. You know, <laughs> I guess, I guess the question is you, you need a wristband of some sort, you know, uh, to say, you know, is it critical to the process? Mm-hmm. You know, if the person wrote it on the top right as compared to the top left, does it matter? No, it well, doesn't. And, and, and well, you know what? It might if the next person that gets it might, 
that gets in but it, can can lift the right corner of every of every piece of paper to see the date or something like that, then then that yeah. should be part of the process because then, then that it should be yeah you're right them. it should be part of the process. Then if right. it it right. De- it defines a critical component uh, as to somebody else doing their job correctly, things like that. You know, yeah, and that's a, that's critical, a great example. The critical component might not be critical might might not be, but but um, the process flow, the work the workflow. Yeah. If it, if it so fits that's the, one of the, if it fits the workflow, because a lot of people I've seen I've seen a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to do that. that's stupid. Why do you do that? They don't realize yeah. that down the down the the process flow map time and space for whatever they're doing might have a benefit to an entity later on that that saves you know twice as much time than if it wasn't done the way it was expected. So, and, and I, that's why I was getting ready to say the exact same thing. And because the nice part about that is, is why then you should do a process map so that everybody's kind of on the same page as to why you're doing a certain thing. Now we've kind of thrown out an, an extremely simplistic, mm-hmm. um, an analogy there, but that analogy is, is, is a great, perfect example. You know, uh, writing the, the date in the upper left as opposed to the upper right. And if somebody downstream, um, or upstream, is it upstream or downstream? That'd be downstream. Yeah. Downstream. The next person in line, um, is, is thumbing through those papers and it made it quite a bit faster for them just to hold it and thumb through the right hand side. Then yeah, you, you're improving the overall process, uh, you know, uh, from beginning to end. And so that, that makes a difference. And, but for people to understand that they have to see the process as a whole and be involved in the process as a whole. You know, people should not be looking at the process with blinders on or with, you know, side blinders and seeing only what they do. They should see and understand their customer upstream and their customer downstream, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, that's part of that whole internal process activity. Yeah. We, and we uh, talked about it at one time, maybe like last year about handing off the baton, you know, passing the yes. baton, you know, make sure that yes. you've got, you've got positive connection when the baton being, you know, the, the euphemism or the uh, example of whatever the workflow is that the baton is, is in the hand of the next person running in the race and they've got good, good hold of it. And they understand that it's the, it's the correct, they're grabbing the baton from the right person. Yeah. You know, they're supposed to yeah, grab the blue baton. Um, I never read one. I think that, you know, internal processes is probably something that most companies do a, a decent job of, of defining and building, uh, these days. You won't go to, unless you're going to a small mom and pop environment, uh, you won't go to most companies and not see some sort of process definition. Now, you know, I'd like to see more companies that did it visually, um, you know, because you will come to some large companies and there's just, you know, they have an internal intranet that has just, you know, piles of, you know, procedures that are word-based and you're just reading through them is just a daunting challenge, you know. So, uh, you know, I would encourage people to think of different ways of helping uh, expedite the learning process of how to do a particular task. Um, you know, understanding your Core processes is very important. I think that that's another thing that companies really need to spend some time doing and understand, you know, the three to seven core processes that are within their environment. We have, we, we have four that we've defined, four core processes. Um, but I think understanding what your 
core processes are, and then making sure that everybody understands those core processes and then drilling down from there yeah. uh, is, is just very important. So, you know, so I think, you know, to, today we just kind of wanted to dig a little bit deeper uh, into those two uh, areas of the balanced scorecard and really encourage, you know, companies of any size to take this part of the balanced scorecard important, you know, to heart because, you know, what we're going to talk about, I'm a, uh, what we're probably going to talk about next week is the other two legs uh, of the balanced scorecard, which would be customer satisfaction and finance. And I think as you can see here, you're creating a flow that by investing in these areas, you're actually flowing up and supporting what is important to, to most companies and leadership. And that is the, the finance aspect, you know, but sitting at the finance side and just hoping, like we've talked about before, that not being a strategy, hoping that, you know, the finances will all work out and you're not putting anything in place to help make sure the finances work out is not a very good strategy. So, you know, we just wanted to touch on these two components and, and, uh, put a little bit more meat to them. Is there anything else you think we should add to, to these uh, two other topics? Than, other than just keeping the thought, the thought in your mind that, that, like you said, these are foundational and, and internal, something that you've got control over, but they're also yes. the leading, they're also the leading indicators. Like we've always said that the yes. finances, the finances and the customers are, are kind of the lagging indicators. If the customer buys from you and gives you revenue, okay, that, that is a result of things that you did to get to that point. And the things that you did, that you do or whatever did to get to that point are the processes and the people that generate the product. So, so, yeah. so when we talk about leading and lagging indicators, which is where I like to live, the, the, the two legs of the balance scorecard that we talked about today really are the leading indicators of the results that you'll, you'll get and benefit from, from the other two. Yep. Great point. Thanks. Well, why don't we go ahead and uh, wrap it up right here? We hope that, um, you know, everybody uh, has learned something from this uh, particular podcast. Uh, we will uh, go ahead and wrap it wrap it up right here, and we will be back with everyone next week. Sean, you have a great week. Thanks, you too, and, Wes. Have uh, a great week. You, you take care, and I guess uh, supposedly you're coming this direction next week, so hopefully we'll be able to get together. Uh, that'll be good. Maybe we'll do a podcast in the same room. Maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> That'd be cool. We haven't done that in a while. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Okay, man, you take it easy and have fun. Yeah. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Man versus Business. Please note that neither Sean nor myself are business consultants. We just have a strong passion for discussing all things business. Please remember to visit sigmatree.co to see our other podcasts, our business ventures, and our blog. And by the way, you can also drop us a line from the message page. Again, thank you and have a good week.